The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 174 The King is Born An edict from King Herod the Great. A herald bellowed to the crowd from atop the synagogue steps in Nazareth. He read from a scroll. Emperor Caesar Augustus, with the consent of the Imperial Senate, decrees that all subjects of Rome register themselves with the district magistrates in their homelands. Men must report their names, families, occupations, and dwelling places. This must be accomplished prior to December 31st. Herod the Great orders that this edict be read in all of his territories, Samaria, Judea, Idumea, Perea, Galilee, Galantus, Ituria, Britannia, Triconitas and Orantus, Hail Caesar! It's about taxes, Joseph said later that evening over the dinner table with Mary and her family. Absolutely, said Mary's father. Once King Herod registers the people and their lands, he will be able to raise even more taxes without anyone slipping through the cracks. But Mary's family and Joseph were more concerned about how the decree would affect Mary and the baby. Registering for the census meant staying in Judea a few extra days around the fall holy days. That was when the baby was due. Joseph had to plan for the likelihood that Mary would give birth away from home. It would be difficult to find a comfortable, suitable place to give birth, especially since Jerusalem and the towns around it would be crammed with thousands of travelers. Several weeks later, Joseph, Mary, and Mary's family took the first steps of their long journey. Step by step, mile after mile, hour after hour, day after day, they walked the streets, roads, lanes, and pathways. They trod up and down hill after hill after hill, through woodlands, over bridges, under palm, papyrus, and juju trees. Southward from Nazareth, they descended the dark green hills of the Galilee region, through prairies dotted with wild flowers, and crossed into Samaria, then into Judea. They walked near pastures where shepherds watched their sheep graze, and past groves and orchards where workers finished gathering harvests of olives, walnuts, dates, figs, and apricots. After four days, Joseph and Mary approached the town of Bethlehem. This was the hometown of Joseph's family and his ancestors, all the way back to King David. It was five miles southwest of Jerusalem, 
and was crowded with people who had come to keep the feast at Jerusalem and to register for the Roman census. Near Bethlehem's main gate, hundreds of people bought food and goods from merchants, set up their tents, played music, rested after their long journeys, and watched their children play together. It was a festive time. They had just finished reaping and storing or selling their fall harvests and had brought their second tithe with them to spend during the Feast of Tabernacles. Joseph found Mary a spot under a shade tree where some other women welcomed her and gave her fruit to eat and a comfortable place to rest. He then walked to the gate. God bless you and happy feast, he said, greeting one of the elders. I'm Joseph, son of Jacob, son of Mathan, son of Eleazar, son of Eliu. Happy feast and God bless you, Joseph, the elder answered with a smile. Welcome to your ancestral home place. Have you traveled far to be with us for the holy days? Yes, sir, from Nazareth. Please tell me, are there any accommodations still open in Bethlehem? I have heard that the inns and even the homes are full, said the elder. Another voice interjected. Pardon me, but did you say son of Methan, son of Eleazar? Joseph turned to see another man his own age joined the conversation. Yes, indeed. Cousin, I am Yuri. Eleazar was my great-grandfather, too. We are second cousins. Ah, good to meet you, Joseph said as the two men shook hands and embraced. They excused themselves from the elder and walked down Satcher Street so Joseph could buy food and supplies. Welcome to your hometown, Yuri said. Where are you staying? I'll pitch my tent a couple hundred yards east of the gate. A tent? Cousin, why have you not asked to stay with me? Yuri asked, joking as if he was upset. Here is what we will do. We will pick up the supplies you need. Then we will stop at Safhaderek for a taste of wine and the best salted fish east of the Mediterranean. Then, my friend, we will fetch your things and bring them to my place. My guest rooms are full with uncles and aunts and cousins, but on the first floor, we have a little area where we usually shelter the animals at night. We will tidy it up for you. It will be far more comfortable than a tent. Come. Joseph gratefully moved Mary and their things to Yuri's Inn. It was a small, two-story building where he and his wife lived with a couple of extra rooms on the upper floor that Yuri made available for holy day travelers. Almost a dozen other relatives were already staying there. Yuri made a temporary pen to store his mules and goats outside. His wife Mirav thoroughly cleaned the dirt floor area and prepared bedding and curtains to offer Mary at least a little privacy. In these improvised accommodations, Joseph and Mary prepared to keep atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, and the last great day, register for the Roman census, and experience the birth of a child, not in a mansion or a palace, not in a tent or a barn, but in an improvised room in a humble inn at Bethlehem.
A couple days later, after hours of labor through the evening, Mary delivered her firstborn. A boy! exclaimed the midwife. She carefully placed the baby in his mother's arms. Congratulations, Mary. This is your son. Mary cradled her child and looked into his eyes for the first time. This was her firstborn son, the flesh and blood human child of a flesh and blood human mother. His healthy body was completely free of injury or sickness. His mind was a combination of a physical brain and the human spirit imparted by God, just like the minds of all other babies. He had no strange or special appearance, no superhuman abilities. But in other ways, he was completely unlike all other babies. He had been alive for eternity. He had been the Word of God, one of two God-beings. He helped create the universe and all life on earth. He had not been conceived by a human father. He was conceived by God the Father. And unlike other babies, his mind also contained God's Holy Spirit without limit. This was a human being who was also a God-being. Mary was exhausted from giving birth. She wrapped her son in swaddling clothes and gently rocked him to sleep. As night fell, she gently placed him in a wooden basket filled with barley straw and covered with a blanket. God in the flesh spent the night sleeping in a manger. Joseph, some men are here. Joseph was washing up behind the building after feeding the animals at sunrise. He looked at Yuri quizzically and followed him to the front of the inn. There stood a group, about half a dozen men. Their clothing indicated that they were shepherds, an occupation that was considered lowly and made them ceremonially unclean and therefore unable to participate in services at Jerusalem. These laborers looked like they had walked straight from their fields why were they here? Peace to you. I'm Joseph. How can I help you? The shepherds briefly looked at each other. Then one with a reddish beard spoke. Peace to you as well. We are seeking a newborn boy swaddled and lying in a manger somewhere here in Bethlehem. Joseph's heart almost skipped a beat. So did Yuri's. They glanced at each other, awestruck. How did these men know? It must be another miracle from God. For a moment, Joseph and Yuri looked at the shepherds, and the shepherds, looking back, realized this is the place. Joseph nodded. The child is here, he said. A few minutes later, Joseph and Mary brought the child to the doorway. Behind them, a few feet away, Yuri Marev and their relatives crowded into the kitchen and the hallway. The children perched on the rungs of the ladder to the second floor. Wrapped in his swaddling clothes, 
The baby was awake and making noises. The shepherd stood at a respectful distance and leaned forward to glimpse him. Yuri, Merev, their relatives, and especially the children were bursting with curiosity. Who were these men? Who sent them here? Why was this baby special? We work in the countryside near Hebron, said the red-bearded shepherd. It took us about four hours to get here to Bethlehem. He paused for a moment, then continued. Last night, while we were in the field, an amazing figure suddenly appeared above us on the hill, and a brilliant radiance appeared on the whole hillside around him and us. It was an angel, said another shepherd. He announced to us that he had good news that would make everyone rejoice. Today, in the town of David, a savior to you has been born. Looking at the baby in Joseph's arms, the shepherd continued, The angel told us this baby is the Messiah, the Lord. He said we would find him here swaddled and lying in a manger. Everyone else in the house was wide-eyed. This was an incredible, miraculous message, and it was delivered to men who had no way of knowing Joseph or Mary or the miraculous messages they themselves had received. These shepherds were not schooled in the law or in the prophecies about a savior. They couldn't be lying they must have received this miraculous message from God's angel. After he announced that, there were suddenly thousands of angels all around us, said the red-bearded shepherd. They were praising God and singing this beautiful hymn, celebrating with all their hearts the birth of this child. These angels of God had been rejoicing over the greatest event in history, a moment they had anticipated for perhaps thousands of years. A god had become a man. This was a key moment in God's master plan for human beings, for angels and for the entire universe. Everyone in the house was silent, shocked by this revelation. After a while, Marav shooed everyone out so Mary could rest with the baby. Over the course of the day, the relatives and children relayed the amazing story of what they had seen and heard to dozens of people. Outside the house, people constantly approached Yuri, asking if what they heard was true. Yuri, Joseph, and their relatives stood in a circle, discussing everything that happened and the scriptures prophesying a savior. Inside, Mary received some much-needed privacy. She rested and nursed the baby. Each of these experiences had so deeply impressed her mind that she would never forget them. Eight days later, the new baby was circumcised, a symbol of the covenant between Abraham's descendants and God. Eldest sons were often given their father's name, but Joseph was not the child's father, and God had already directed Joseph and Mary what to name him. They gave him a common name, Jesus, basically the name Joshua, which means God our salvation. 
Although many other children and men in Judea had this name, this child was literally God our salvation. Mary obeyed the laws in the Bible concerning recovery from childbirth and stayed home with the baby for 40 days. By this time, the fall holy days were over and Joseph registered for the Roman census. Now it was time to present Jesus to God. Joseph and Mary traveled the few miles up to Jerusalem to keep the laws of the Bible and offer a sacrifice to God to set apart the child. As they approached, the high walls of the temple area towered above them. Inside, they discussed a sacrifice with one of the priests. Ma'am, may I see your son? Joseph and Mary turned to see an elderly man with a serious look. Mary showed Jesus to him. This son is miraculous, isn't he? The man asked. Once again, Joseph and Mary were surprised by a stranger who seemed to know what they knew about their child. I am Simeon. I have prayed to God for many years that he will bless and deliver his people Israel. He has revealed to me that I will not die until I have seen the Savior. Joseph and Mary looked at Simeon, amazed. Today I was praying, and the Spirit moved me to come to the temple at this time. And now I ask you, is this child the Christ, the Savior of all men? Moved with emotion, Mary could only wipe away her tears and say, Yes. Simeon nodded. Please, may I hold him? The old man took the bundled-up baby in his arms and held him for a long time, saying nothing. Finally, he looked upward, deep in thought, and spoke. God Almighty, thank you. Now I can die in peace. I have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Joseph and Mary marveled at this man to whom God had shown the same revelation that they had received. God bless you, Simeon said to them. Then he turned to Mary and delivered a serious message. Realize that this child's life will cause many to fall and rise up in Israel, and is a sign that will be spoken against. A sword will pierce even through your own soul that many people's inner thoughts will be revealed. Simeon's words were inspired by God. Mary and Joseph didn't understand what all of them meant, but his message was clearly a warning that when the Savior grew up, not all people would love him. He would be surrounded by conflict. Less than an hour later, another person slowly approached. She was a very old woman, so dedicated to God that she never left the temple. In fact, she was a prophetess. My name is Anna, she told Joseph and Mary, smiling softly. I know who your baby is. For many, many years I've prayed and hoped for him to come. Thank God he has let me live so long to see this day, to see this child. There are many who have been waiting and hoping for the redemption of Jerusalem. She said, gently stroking the child's cheek. I will tell them what has happened this day.
A few months later, Joseph and Mary were still in Bethlehem. Joseph had several relatives here, one of whom offered them comfortable accommodations while Joseph attended to some business before they would journey back to Nazareth. Night fell. At the city gate, the watchman heard a startling sound. Horses hoofbeats. Roman soldiers usually only had pack mules. If horses were coming, some very important riders were on the way. Out of the darkness came a sight most people of this period had never seen. A convoy of about 40 horsemen, some of whom were armed. Strangely, they did not appear to be Roman. The riders slowed to a stop, dismounted, and walked their horses up to the gate, briefly speaking with the elders. The watchman breathed a sigh of relief and placed his alarm trumpet back in its case. Ten of the unarmed riders remained mounted. Their outerwear was dusty from a long journey. They wore what appeared to be crowns. As they slowly rode their horses into the city streets, the interactions between the soldiers and their assistants showed that these were powerful men, but they were not there for trouble. Their words and expressions radiated incredible joy and excitement. Why were these foreign dignitaries in Bethlehem? Many went outside or looked out their windows to watch as the prominent men from a land beyond the empire approached the house where Joseph and Mary were staying. Joseph stood outside. He bowed respectfully, spoke with the men, and led them inside. It would be shocking for lowly subjects like Joseph and Mary to receive a visit from someone like King Herod, a man who led hundreds of thousands of people. Yet here were several men who led perhaps millions of people. Sitting in the somewhat small parlor of a simple house in Bethlehem, these prominent nobles of the Eastern Empire waited patiently. Their dignified expressions were filled with joy. Mary came into the room, holding her child. She too bowed in respect toward the men and sat beside Joseph. Finally, one of the men spoke. We have ridden for months to see this child and to worship him. We know that he is the King of the Jews. One by one, each of these powerful leaders humbly knelt and bowed his head toward Jesus. They presented gifts that are typically given to a king. Gold, a symbol of royal wealth, frankincense, used in incense, and myrrh, an anointing oil that is also used to preserve bodies after people die. Joseph and Mary looked at each other in renewed amazement. After a moment, Joseph said, This is indeed the Savior, the Son of the Highest. How did you know where to find him? We saw his star, and it led us to the land of Judea. We inquired of King Herod where the child was. After consulting with the chief priest and the scribes, 
he told us to go to Bethlehem. The star led us directly to this house. Mary looked at Joseph. This was another incredible miracle, confirming that her child was the prophesied Savior. But there was also a danger. King Herod knew about the scriptures that prophesied that a king of the Jews would come. He knew that the people of Judea would be excited to follow the king of the Jews who had been prophesied for centuries. Herod built many great buildings, but he was a wicked man who executed his own sons, one of his wives, and many others. If the people supported Jesus as this prophesied king of the Jews, they would stop following Herod. Now Herod knew about Jesus and that he was in Bethlehem. What else did Herod ask you? Joseph asked urgently. He asked us when we first saw the star. He told us to notify him once we found the child so that he could come and worship him also. One of the other nobles said, You should not trust King Herod. Last night, before we left Jerusalem, we all dreamed the same dream. An angel of God warned us not to tell Herod where we find the king of the Jews. We will ignore his request and depart tonight in secret. We'll stay clear of the major highways until we cross back into our empire. Later that night, after the nobles departed, Joseph had trouble sleeping. He worried about Mary and the baby and wasn't sure what to do. Would God protect them in Bethlehem? Should they depart for Nazareth? If so, when? As he finally drifted off to sleep, he suddenly saw an angel. Arise, the angel said sharply. Take the child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Stay there until I notify you that it is safe. King Herod is about to try to kill the child. Joseph woke with a start. He had to act now. He rapidly packed up everything he could and rushed to get Mary and Jesus ready to go. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus left Bethlehem with only a few supplies on that starry night. A dark road and an uncertain future lay ahead. But they carried with them faith that God would get them through. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at PCG.church. Thank you.